0: Hey everyone, it's Blake Johnston, and thank you for joining Next Best Customer. We have an awesome episode for you today. Jason Bay of Blissful Prospecting joined the podcast and really dropped some great nuggets, not only on tactical outbound, you know, how you create messaging, what you should do on LinkedIn versus email versus calling, but he also has an amazing background. He ran marketing departments. He has a background with landing pages and Facebook ads and really has a good holistic view of how you find new leads and how you engage them and how you get them to be uh, future customers. So with that, let's jump into the show. So hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Next Best Customer. Really excited. And today I have Jason Bay. The chief prospecting officer at Blissful Prospecting, Jason. How are we doing?
1: I'm doing good, man. I'm excited for this. We uh, talked a couple weeks ago, so it's good to chat again. I know.
0: We uh, I joined um, Jason's podcast and we nerded out on inside sales. <laughs> uh, just so tactical, which I you know you don't get the opportunity to do, but uh, it's interesting. You're uh, you know inside sales in and out, like that's where you spend most of your day. Just to start, um, tell us a little bit about Blissful Prospecting and then we're going to pick your brain on marketing because you are uh, you have that unique skill set where you've ran marketing teams as well. But let's start with Blissful uh, Prospecting.
1: Yeah, we originally started just because I left corporate America at the end of 2013 and I had to go find clients. I was working in B2C and now I'm doing a B2B kind of thing and I got to go find clients and I was networking and doing all that other stuff and I just went to one too many meetup groups where I wasn't really getting in front of the right people. So I had to figure out how prospecting worked in B2B, because in B2C in residential, you know, uh, like home improvement essentially is what I said, like house painting, like carpentry kind of stuff. Right. We hire teams of people to go door to door. You know what I mean? That's how you prospect. So um, I had to learn how to cold email and cold call from a B2B sense. And the big challenge I had was like really finding out like how to properly do that and finding content. And we ended up starting Blissful Prospecting because I figured that process out and got some consulting clients and they're like, that was kind of a cool email you sent me, can you do that for me? And that's how we started, was doing done for you appointment setting. And what we do now is more focused on, hey, who's already doing prospecting and is not either doing it very efficiently or not saying the right things in their emails and calls and how can we help enable teams that are already doing it through training and coaching is where we're primarily focused now. Awesome, that's
0: great. How, uh, tell us a little bit about your background. I know you spent, you know, handful of years kind of running marketing team. Uh, give us a little bit more context and how that marketing background also kind of helps you today.
1: So my foray into marketing was as 18 uh, year old, I was working for CollegeWorks Painting, a company where they trained students on how to run a house painting business. So that's what I did as a freshman in college. This is in 2008 and I was going door to door and all that stuff. There's a whole other story and into that, but it worked really well. And my mom was like, Jason, you know, how can you not put up like a flyer in the newspaper? Like those coupons that I get from Rite Aid, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, Oh, ding, ding, ding. You know, I started thinking more outside of the, the box on, on marketing things ended up being really successful. I ran a $100,000 business as a you know, college student made like 27 grand for school in six months, you know, just killed it. And a lot of it was through these interesting ways of marketing that were not this direct door to door approach. So I worked with them all throughout college. And I was about to leave at the end of college to go do sales for a solar company. And they're like, what if you become our marketing director? So they never had a marketing director it's a you know, $30 million company, they didn't really have a marketing department, they always outsourced everything. So I came in and the first thing I had to do, so this is 2011, was it's like marketing. They're like, we're going to create this role for you and you're going to kind of pave the path for what your responsibilities are. So pay-per-click, Facebook ads. I'm like, okay, this is like back in the day before <laughs> Evernote and stuff like that. I uh, really could like screen crop and like save articles. So I was literally I had binders like this thick printed out articles on what's a landing page. I didn't even know what pay-per-click was or what it was called. Like I didn't even know what to look for. You know what I mean? (laughs) And what that ended up turning into was me learning how to run Facebook campaigns, Google AdWord campaigns, um, all sorts of other alternative stuff that I was doing in small town, Brookings, Oregon, 5,000 people. But how do we scale that out to a thousand people doing sales all across the United States? And then the, my big claim to fame there was, hey, what if we build an outbound call center because we get 150,000 people signing up every year for our services. We close 10,000 of them. What are we doing with all those leads to supplement what the field's doing? Signed so up, again, don't even know what to look for. I don't even know what a predictive dialer is, nothing. And we end up starting this call center with like five people at first. And we didn't have a dialer. So they were manually dialing. I'd print out leads for them. They were manually dialing. And it was downstairs in this office. There was no air conditioning down there. And that was like proof of concept. I was like building a business within the business. And that ended up going really well. And we scaled into about 15, 20 reps is what we would have in peak season. I hired a call center manager. And that was where I really learned more about inside sales and like what that looked like. And this is tough, dude. Like B2C cold calling is rough. You can't research people. You know, it's just a name and a number on a list. In an address. You know what I mean? So that's how I got into marketing. And then I've taken a lot of those things as a business owner. I built our website, you know, like the promotion for a lot of the stuff like around this virtual tour, I, I made all of that stuff, you know, and really came up with the strategy behind everything. And I think that I've really gone back and forth around, you know, am I a salesperson or am I an entrepreneur? And as much as I love sales, I'm more of an entrepreneur, you know, because as an entrepreneur, you need to be a salesperson. You need to be a marketer. You need to be operations but like you need to do all of those things and i love marketing too much not to like engage in that part of our business you know
0: right that's fantastic uh so we have a very similar background i mean the only reason i learned marketing was because i started e-commerce companies yeah um and like you know that's what school should be right like when you're a freshman uh, you should have to start like a little e-commerce company or some yeah. little business and then like you pay, you do the landing pages, but you know, like earlier today I was hopping into WordPress to like do some swi- uh, quick adjustments or like I'll hop into Facebook ads, even though I'm, I shouldn't be running your Facebook ads program. Like I can set it up and waste $150, like really quickly <laughs> to figure out, like, did that headline work, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's such a big deal when you're running a company, right? You're, you just, you don't have to pay everybody to do everything because you're wearing so many little hats. That's that's fantastic. You, you mentioned um, the summer virtual tour and just to give everyone a background uh, if you're not on LinkedIn following Jason you need to be and you guys are putting together the summer virtual tour which uh, I don't know of everything that I've seen you know over the past handful of months feels like the best organized like the content looks amazing like just walk everybody through what it is, your strategy behind it, you know, how you're executing it and et cetera. Yeah.
1: No, I appreciate that, man. So with when COVID went down, I kind of had a freak out moment because like all of our deals stalled. We're normally doing training and coaching deals with companies. And I was like, oh my God, is anyone ever gonna want to prospect? Like, <laughs> you know, they're gonna pay someone like me to help them. And what happened during that time that was really interesting and I think a good lesson is like really listen to like what people are asking for. And a lot of individual reps were coming to me and saying, hey, do you have a course? I love your content, do you have a community and all this other stuff? And I was like, no, we don't have any of that. So I went to work like six weeks, six weekends in a row just crushing it, you know, like killing myself Mm -hmm. to turn all of our business trainings into courses that people could consume and creating a community and just like really packaging all of that stuff. So it essentially added a like two-sided marketplace to our business. So now we're serving individuals and companies. So then I'm thinking when you're serving individuals, it's more of a volume kind of thing, right? They're not going to pay 10, 20, $30,000 for you to work with them over three, four months. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I thought about how we could scale that and, one of the best ways to build your audience in your list is to really work with other people that have gathered the audience that you want. And I think that's a really important marketing lesson because a lot of businesses market their business where they are the hero in the hero's journey, right? It's like, I'm the expert, uh, follow me, get my hot take on stuff. And I just have never really believed in marketing things that way, or just being like that in general. I always Mm -hmm. want to like work with people and, like make other people the hero. And what I was thinking about was the problem with most virtual summits and webinars is people show up to them and there's no incentive for showing up live because they're pre-recorded, So they don't even get to interact with people. The other thing is that if you throw a virtual summit and it's like 15 speakers talking in two days, that's just like, are you expecting people to take two days off of work to sit and watch webinars? You know what I mean? It's, just, it's a, it's oh, a yeah. lot to ask and the format is long form and it's just kind of crazy. And so I was thinking from an attendee standpoint, what would make this a win and just doing the opposite of that, like showing up live, spreading it out over the summer so that people could spend an hour or two per week or three and consume content and actually get to apply it. And I think that's what's another thing. There is the most sales content or content in general, how to content is not bite sized. It's not, here's what this is. And like, literally like here, go do this thing. It's very conceptual. It's very high level. And that's a whole problem. We could talk about another podcast, Mm -hmm. but so I wanted to make it a win for the attendees. The other thing I was thinking about was, well, how do we make this a win for the speakers? And the thing that speakers complain about is sitting in front of the computer for an hour, pre-recording something and that not having fun doing that. And then two, like they literally get no help with promotion. So like basically people invite them on so that they can just like hammer their email list and their social following and get people to build the company's list for them. So I was like, how right. could I make this a win for the speakers? And really doing that was, how can I position them as experts and really help, uh, you know, everyone help promote each other because they like each other's content. And how could I spend enough time working with them on the topic and the things that they're talking about and making it easy for them to share, that it would be very low effort for them to build their list and their following and their social proof. And the wins for us were obvious, right? We get to build our list and all that other stuff. So I think like really strategically thinking about how to make it a win, 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 you know, for everyone, I think that's really the first part of it. And the, the tour in positioning it that way was, Hey, you know, we're, like our stuff is great on LinkedIn, our content's good. And I've been on a lot of podcasts and we have one, but you know, we don't have tens of thousands of people on our email list. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, in order to get to that level again, instead of making it about us and like, Oh, we're doing this thing. It's like, well, we'll no. like how can I make this a win for the speaker? How can I make them want to share this? How can I make someone attending like really want to show up and share it with other people? I think that's another marketing lesson too, is like how shareable is your stuff? Like what's the incentive for the speakers to actually share that they're participating in the webinar? What is the incentive for the attendee to, to share it with their coworkers? You know what I mean? So that was kind of where the thinking came from behind it. Yeah. I love
0: your uh, theme um, around just promoting your customers. Like if that's all you do uh, you know, you're you're typically doing a good job in marketing. There's a guy that uh, I've worked with a lot. His name's Jeremy Boutinay at Nextiva. I don't know if you know Jeremy at all, but he had uh, he was had a his own agency for a little bit. And now he's a uh, kind of does some marketing, a director of marketing over there. But that's his whole thing. And he worked with us on a couple projects. and He's like just customer story, it customer story, customer story, and it always works out. You know, works out so well. So I love that. How? Uh, so you, the people that you're interviewing, are amazing. Like any uh, like really unique takes, things you haven't heard. Like what uh,
1: you know, what's come out of all these interviews? I mean, we just started on this two two days ago, so I've only done two of them so far. <laughs>
0: no, no, no pre no pre prep. Uh, I'm going to be covering this exactly. It just absolutely blew your mind.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, definitely through the prep of these, I've I've definitely been surprised because what I wanted to do, and this is, I think, another important marketing lesson is like positioning. So, hey, you don't just want to be another virtual summit talking about sales. Then I'm competing with outreach and sales loft and like all these huge companies that have an actual marketing team. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So I think one of the big things was A way that would make this different is like making it very tactical. And when you're looking for tactical things, you start looking at all the different areas of prospecting and you start breaking it down cold emails, right? Cold calls, personal branding component of it, right? Your LinkedIn presence. And you just start looking for like people that specialize in all of these areas and you naturally get like a really unique thing out of that. But I just started looking at, you know, we had Art Sobchak on from Smart Calling and his whole thing is like how to work with assistants and not calling them gatekeepers, but how to, how to do bottoms up and get and break into a company. Like that's the thing that we teach a lot that not a lot of people are doing. Uh, Justin Michaels going to be talking about virtual prospecting. This dude just has blown my mind with Venn diagrams, embedding a Venn diagram image into an email and comparing the competitive landscape for the customer and putting their logo in there. Right. And getting a response. A 20, 30% response rate versus your five to 10 that people tend to celebrate, right? Yeah. So that's been a really interesting thing. The other thing that I'm excited to talk about too is like video. And how are people using video besides just putting a video and saying, hey, I'm so-and-so, here's why I want to meet with you. Like, how yeah. are they actually showing stuff that they are creating and showing different, you know, workflows or whatever it might be? So those are some of the things that come to me off the top of my head, there's another one that'll be really interesting with Richard Smith from Refract, who they do conversational intelligence. We're gonna yeah. actually go through recordings of cold calls and he's gonna share the winning formula of a cold call based on the recordings and the success rates, not just his best practices. You know what I mean? So like We're digging into a lot of stuff like that that I think is highly tactical with like clear takeaways and those are some of the things that I'm super excited uh, to talk about.
0: Well, to your point, it's like the tactical, I mean, everyone says, you know what you should do, you should personalize. It's like, well, no shit, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes, we should personalize. Yeah. We shouldn't send blanket email messages. I, I do understand that, but like literally exactly how do you do it? Uh, you could probably talk to this uh, a lot more than me, but you know, it's kind of like when you're uh, teaching a new inside sales rep that's right out of college. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are c- certain things. Like when you describe it, like you're really describing. Like, no, when we send emails, we don't use indentation. Like that's a college mm-hmm. thing. You know, like you really have to be granular about. Like, no, dude, never say something like that. You know, um, and it's overly tactical because it has to be because they don't have the background to know that it. It you know uh, that what they're doing doesn't make sense. Um, you know. Or, uh, for those types. So, the more tactical, the better. That's what everybody's looking for, um, especially around prospecting. It's just what's working now. You know, well, what exactly is happening? What should I try? Because everybody's looking to just yeah. up those meeting rates. You
1: know, well, I mean, to your point, you know, saying you should just personalize. That's like someone saying you should, you know, you should eat less calories if you want to lose weight. <sighs> you know like yeah but like that's obviously a hard thing to do like what's a practical way of doing that well you could try keto you could try eating more fat maybe that's you're a little less sensitive to you reduce the you know carbs eat more complex carbs I mean it's just all kinds of things right but what I just get so fired up about is people talk shit about tactics all the time and I'm like dude if you can't share the tactics I don't think you know what you're talking about if you can't but you can do strategy yeah. and tactic like my Uh, framework that I use and it's not I didn't make this up this is a teaching framework this is what teachers do it's it's why what how why is this important what is the thing that you should do how what is the practical application of it right so like with personalization it's like the why here is that think about what you know empathy right think about the experience on the receiving end of most outreach people get it it's templated it doesn't feel like it's for them and they get really jaded right? Because they have so many bad experiences. So what do you need to do? You need to find this blah, 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 the thing. Oh, by the way, here's an example of what that looks like in this situation. You can do everything from why, what to how it doesn't have to be like, oh, I only talk conceptually, you know, stuff because the tactic, they may not relate to that. Well, if you don't explain why, like, duh, right? If you just came in and said, "Uh, hey, so you need to do cardio, three times a week, 30 minutes a piece. And you're going to do weight training us. Like, of course, if you got that tactical right away without you know, talking about why that works, the person's not gonna be bought in or understand how to make it their own. And it's like, I don't know, these are kind of like really obvious things, I think. Um, but yeah, I could go on and on about the tactics and stuff. If you can't get tactical, you don't know what you're talking about if you can't get tactical with people.
0: Yep, I, uh, as you were talking through it, it made me think about uh, as we're you know, going through and talking with inside reps, Um, and my feedback is like, you're never going to be good at messaging, right? Like it's constantly evolving, but when you know, you've half got there is when you're reading through your email inbox and you're just annoyed. You're like, that is the worst message ever. Like, oh my God, that's a terrible opening line. You know, you can, you can just go through and you can start to analyze and say, if I was rewriting this, like this isn't that hard. Why would I care? Like, why are you putting COVID in the subject line? You know, all these little like tactical things that are just, people are just missing the boat on. So um, I do, uh, speaking of tactical, um, you know, one thing that I think, you know, the overall inside sales community has seen through COVID is uh, a lot of teams were let go, right? And we're starting to see this more and more now that I think everyone's done not done freaking out, but they can see kind of the end. We're getting a lot more people reaching out to us talking about uh, is outsourced an option or we're thinking about building a team or we're rebuilding a team. And I'd love to get tactical with you on how to plan out from a strategy perspective. If you're building out an inside sales function, like what are the immediate things you think about um, you know, and take it wherever you like, I'd love to get your perspective on hiring and technology and all those things, but just there's so many companies right now, I think that are in the spot of they've let people go and it's time to maybe rebuild in the right way. Um, so would would love your perspective on just building teams from
1: scratch and, and what to yeah. think about. So when you say building from scratch, this is, they haven't really had an inside sales team before, or they've had to maybe lay off most of the people and they're kind of recouping or both scenarios or.
0: Well, both scenarios, is, yeah, because even, even if they've laid off, I think, um, you know, and they're starting to, they they have budget to allocate to whether it's tech or people or just the strategy that is obviously different than what happened four months ago where they had to let a bunch of people off because it wasn't working out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so yeah, both sides of it.
1: Yeah. So I think of this, I mean, there's really like four components of this, but the three primary would be. Uh, you know, people message and process and the tooling, I guess is the fourth, but that drives, you know, the process. Yeah. So I would be thinking really hard about, do I have the right people? Uh, I, you know, I have like, a people and for, you know, I'll give you an example, you know, when COVID went down, not that we couldn't afford it, but we got rid of Netflix and it was this mindset of, we're going to get rid of everything that is unnecessary. So that's yeah. the very first thing I would look at is, are you still holding on to stuff if you haven't done that exercise that is, un- that is not essential? Um, I just don't think having really, uh, expensive sales engagement, like tooling is an essential thing. I think that's something yeah. you add afterwards. So that's the very first thing I like with people, do I have people that I want to like work through the trenches with and be foxhole buddies with, right? Are these, should these people be here? That's the very first thing I'd look at. Cause people are the biggest investment of your time and your money. And we can get more tactical if you want in terms of like how to know that or what what things you might think about. But that's the very first thing I always go towards is people. And then I look at message and then process. So with your message, I would really think about, and this is where if you're a VP or an, an, an executive or an owner of these companies, depending on how small you are, I'm really thinking about like, is our message resonating with our prospects right now? Because... Before COVID, what you could get away with is being very product heavy in your messaging and rely on your company's branding and like all this other stuff, right? Yeah, I would really think about, do I know my industries that I'm prospecting into and how they're impacted? Like, have I nailed that messaging yet? And before you scale people, before you scale really this process, it's like, is the message resonating? And then the process that we are doing, like the the way in which we are engaging our prospects, is that a solid process? And then I would scale. So I would actually look to reduce the clutter and just do 80-20 rule here and like what can I eliminate people-wise, process-wise and how can I adjust my messaging and really get back to basics? And even if that's, oh, VP of sales turned into a one-man or one-woman team now, like you better be able to like make some of this stuff work because what are you doing if you don't have a team? You should be selling, you know, so make that work yourself first and then scale. I think people do this backwards and they scale way too soon or they're way too quick to be like, Oh, let's get 10 seats of outreach. And they're spending just tons (laughs) of money on technology. And we talk about data a lot, but I'll take data over technology like any day. I'll take really great data over having outreach and sales loft with really shitty data any day because I don't want to enable a shitty process with People that are not a good fit with a terrible message. Like those three things need to be in place first. That's how I think about it. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. It makes a ton of sense. I, you know, as you were talking, I, you know, just to reiterate, I think what you're also saying there is just hiring people to figure it out, right? Like that is the typical inside sales hire, right? It's like, we'll hire them, they'll figure it out. It's like, no, figure it out. And then, get to the point where you have so much demand and so much opportunity that you hire more people to implement your process, right? Same yep. thing with outside salespeople. You know, it's like, why are you hiring outside salespeople to generate demand? Like spend money on marketing or inside sales, and when you're so overwhelmed by inbound leads, then, right, then you hire salespeople. Um, yeah, the, the the data piece you talked about, I. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, when you start to add up tech, uh it's just it's so expensive. I mean, even when I think about our tech, right? Like we're uh dialers and outreach and, you know, Salesforce licenses and everything else and you're just, you know, it's a it's an uphill battle for sure. How how, how do you think about training l- like new reps, you know, like net new uh, completely new into, into a process, like, yeah, What? how, how brutal is it? Like, what, what, what does it take?
1: So what do you say net new, no sales experience or
0: uh, little, right? Like okay. your typical inside sales rep that has not been an inside salesperson somewhere else.
1: Yeah. So fresh out of college, you know, that, that kind of person. So yeah, for sure. I think that there is a lot of time that needs to be spent on, you know, I'll say the classic thing, right? too much time on product training, need more time on the other stuff, right? who our prospects are. That's sort of the classic answer yeah. people are getting right now. But I think I really overlooked part, and it was funny, I had a client here in Austin, in Texas, and they brought like six people from the product team, or uh, the customer success team that were like accountants, and they moved them into a sales position just to kind of like mix things up. So this right. is the first time I've like trained brand new salespeople on just what sales is in general since I was training people in college works painting because these college kids didn't know anything about sales. So I think you got to really establish what is sales, what is good sales and what is not good sales and really talk about and make them feel from a mindset standpoint because mindset's going to drive most of the success of a mm-hmm. brand new sales rep in the first three to six months. It's just them believing in what they're doing, right? If right. you give them a good you know, some good uh, templates and stuff that, you know, work and you give them a good talk track, like, dude, they're going to make it happen if they believe that it will work. And this is the part that we don't think about is, do they feel yucky about their job because they're in sales? And maybe this wasn't the first occupation of their choice. You know what I mean? Um, Are they going to feel yucky because they don't really believe in the product and the problems that it solves and the value that people get from it? That, if that's not there, I don't care what they're saying or what tactics they're using or what tools they're using it's not gonna come out in their voice. That conviction is something that's very hard to teach. So that's where I would start is, let's just talk about what sales is. What are the negative connotations you have with salespeople, and guess what? The people that you're gonna be selling to, they also have those negative connotations about salespeople. So, so let's talk about how we could be completely different than those people. Yeah. The second thing I would teach is, like a, just a very basic level understanding of empathy. And I do this in our coaching. I was <laughs> role playing. I don't know if you saw the video on LinkedIn. I was role playing with a guy on his cold calls and in the intros and I was throwing out objections just to test him. And he's like, Hey, this is so-and-so with so-and-so company. I was like, not interested. And he immediately like gets defensive. And he's like, well, you haven't heard what I am saying. And like, I could see him getting worked up, you know, cause we're doing yeah. a zoom call. And I just paused real quick. And I was like, okay, so what were you feeling right then and there? my chest got really tight and you know i was like well have you felt this before and he mentioned other instances where he was annoyed or angry i was like well what i want to point out is that it's good to know what you're feeling but you were only thinking about what you were feeling when you heard not interested you didn't think about why i might say something like that i have learned this by the way the hard way through therapy I didn't have a lot of empathy until like maybe a year and a half ago. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you just sit and think about and teach the team to think about the prospect. So when someone says not interested, what, where are they coming from? Right. I'd be running into something else. Like you might be the 10th person to call them that day. That's like being really, and everyone else is really deceptive. So it's like this basic level, like, let's just think from our prospect standpoint, what it feels like to be on the receiving end of this and what that's like. If you did yeah. those two things at the very beginning, and then dumped in more of the strategy around, you know what makes a good appointment, and like how you know what makes a good cold call, and your messaging, and all that other stuff, they would have a really good foundational mindset around how to be more in the moment when something happens. It's like, okay, cool. Like, let me think real quick. Like, what's Blake thinking right now? Like, why would Blake say something like that? And then I'm yeah. just going to talk to that. Like, hey, I hear you, man. It sounds like you're a little bit frustrated. I don't know if I caught you at a, a bad time here or not, but if it's cool with you, you know, can I just tell you why I'm calling? And then, you know, maybe you can let me know if you want to keep talking or not. You know what I mean? It's like, you can, you can do those things and that's a tactic, right? That's a, you know, permission-based opener or upfront contract, uh, Sandler yeah. Selling calls it, right? But without like the why behind what that, why that works, the tactic is to our point earlier, kind of, kind of useless. If you don't know why it works and what's going on yeah. there, because never replicated in an actual real situation. You know, so like off the top of my head, those are the two things that I see completely missing in salespeople. There's just like a, a complete disregard for how the other person is feeling or what they're doing. And there's also yep. this lack of self-esteem because they don't really believe in what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Like you
0: said, uh, everyone starts off, uh, you know, like when you listen to other podcasts, like, well, I got into sales because, you know. <laughs> I no one
1: know ever exactly wanted to why. get into sales, dude. I talked to one person, uh, Sam Crew I interviewed on our podcast. He's the only person ever that was like, yeah, I knew I was going to get into sales because both of his parents are like, you know, powerful executives at companies. You know what I mean? So they talked yep. about it when he was a kid. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was like, um, I'll do marketing. That seems, you know, presentations, that's easy enough. You know, uh, we can kind of see where this goes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I've taken up more time uh, of yours than uh, um, I needed to, but like, I I just love how tactical you can get and just your, your advice. Um, So summer virtual tour, everybody sign up for that. Where do they go for that? And then, you know, give us uh, anywhere
1: else you, uh, people to go. Yeah, you can go to tour.blissfulprospecting.com and what you're going to find there, there's 42 speakers that are talking about everything from you know cold emails to cold calls and LinkedIn and personal branding and psychology and really all of it's around just giving you strategies and tactics to set more meetings with your ideal clients. So it's free, it's live. Um, we have 2,500 people I think signed up for it right now. So check it out, tour.blissfulprospecting.com and I would say that's that's the biggest thing where you can sort of get on our radar in terms of content and get on our, you know, emails and stuff like that, that you're going to find really helpful. And then the other place would be LinkedIn. Just look, you know, Jason Babel's full prospecting on LinkedIn. I post content every day on prospecting.
0: I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Sweet. Yeah, this is fun, man.
0: All right. Talk to you later.